Hey everyone, the episode you're about to listen to is one of the very first ones that we did, and the sound recording is not that great. It took us a little bit to hit our stride, and we enjoyed these first episodes, but they maybe aren't our strongest ones. So we've got some better equipment and honed our skills. The recording quality gets a lot better around episode 10. Stick it out, keep listening, it gets better from here. I'm Ben, and you're listening to the Sound Logic Podcast. This is Mike. Each episode, we discuss one of music's greatest albums from Rolling Stone Magazine's Top 500 list. Brought to you by two guys with no credentials. So we're going to talk about the Stones this week, talk about XL yeah. Street, and this is the first album, or the first artist, rather, where you and I have both seen them together in concert. Oh, yeah, sure enough. So we saw them at... Molson Canadian Rocks for Toronto in 2003, uh, also known as Sarstock. This was a benefit concert that the Stones, I think they even suggested it. Yeah. The Stones suggested it, and then they worked and created this massive benefit, and it was supposed to just bring a lot of people in and revenue in to help Toronto, who had their tourism and economy had really suffered earlier that year after a breakout of SARS, which is a respiratory sickness, illness. It wasn't, you know, a widespread epidemic. Uh, it was a global problem, but, you know, there were like a, a very small handful of cases in Toronto, but just that uh, little amount really crippled the tourism industry uh, with a lot of fear around that. Wikipedia lists several alternative titles, some of which I have no memory of. <laughs> so the official the official name was Molson Canadian Rocks for Toronto. Right. Had to get that corporate sponsor in there. Yes. Um, but it was also referred to as Toronto Rocks, Stars for SARS, SARS Stock. That's the one that I think I, that's what I remember, remember yeah. using most frequently. SARS Fest, SARS Apalooza, the SARS Concert, or more descriptively, the Rolling Stones SARS Benefit Concert. <laughs> yeah, I so, and I... The ones that I remember are SARS Stock, Toronto Rocks, and also I heard um, the Stones Rock Toronto. Oh, uh, okay. And that one's not listed here, but they're the Stones Rock for Toronto. I heard that one too. And I think that as the radio stations locally were pumping it up, they were, I think, using just some different names that maybe weren't official because it kind of didn't, it didn't have an official name for a while. Yeah. So like, I think people were just making up. I think SARS Stock was the one that that fit the most, you know, mm-hmm. blending the Woodstock and the SARS thing. But, uh, um, yeah, this was uh, a huge event. Yeah. About half a million people showed yep. up and it was in, it was at the uh, Danforth Park and part of that is a abandoned or, or not commonly used uh airport like a, I don't know if it was at one point a commercial or military airport so a lot yeah, of the old, vendors old military base that's right a lot of the vendors were set up along the old uh, runway the tarmac that's right um, and one of my big memories is jumping ahead a bit at the end of the concert the stones were done and we were leaving uh, perspective this was July 30th it was hot there wasn't yeah. a cloud in the sky and they were giving out bottles of water because, I mean, obviously they wanted to avoid any lawsuit from people passing out because mm-hmm. it was smoking hot. We were pumping back the water. And when we uh, left on the tarmac, 
it was probably about two bottles thick everywhere. And all you could hear was this deafening sound of water bottles crunching <laughs> as we walked out. I don't know if you remember that. That's a great memory. Dis- yeah, it left my I mind. I distinctly remember leaving, you know, with thousands of people across mm-hmm. the asphalt and mm-hmm. the sound was deafening. They actually put a call out on the radio that day and for the next few days for volunteers to come and help clean up because it was just a, a mess. They had, <laughs> you know, garbage cans, but couldn't even come close oh yeah yeah, they were were full um so that's kind of a funny memory when i think about just kind of where we were and on that tarmac it just made the sound even louder but um yeah i want to i want to this was this was a pretty significant event and i still bumped Mm -hmm. in i bumped into somebody on saturday who said uh oh i just got uh stones tickets to see them you know i i want to see them it's worth it i've never I said, have you seen him before? She said, no, I was supposed to go to Sarstock. I said, oh, I was there. <laughs> that was just like two days ago that happened. So yeah, uh, people are still talking about this event. Uh, uh-huh. Do you want to break down some of the art, the artists that were on here? Yeah, before we get to that, um, I, I remember the, the feeling of being a part of something historically significant and having a lot of yes. pride in that. I, I bought a T-shirt, a festival shirt, um, and I remember feeling a little annoyed that the Molson logo was so prominently displayed on the front. Right. But I, I wore that t-shirt really hard. I, um, <laughs> I left, I left for college that fall. And, uh, that semester I did a semester abroad in South Africa and it was one of like four t-shirts that I brought with me. So it got oh. worn and worn and worn and worn and like got washed in you know, on the banks of a river when we had a rural stay with a host family without running water and, uh, wow. uh, you know, washed in about a billion, uh, you know, laundromats across the country as we traveled. And, um, and so I, it was like, a uh, it became sort of a, um, I don't know, a token of something significant that I had done. And it was fun to have my, uh, American friends. I was the only Canadian on that trip you know, scan my back to see which artists had been part of it and ask me about the Canadian artists they'd never heard of. And, uh, right. It really was cool. I, I also purchased the DVD after it yes. came out and still have it. I was thinking, uh, I really should go back and watch that. It's been several years since I've put it in the, the, the other memory before we get to the artists, uh, about the heat is that i I feel like halfway through the afternoon, I just felt such a intense, heat fatigue and this was significant because we spent our summers standing outside walking through the fields out in the hot weather mm-hmm. and yet uh i was beat and it didn't seem like there was enough free bottled water to like keep me feeling hydrated i yeah. think by the time the stones came on who were the last to go on in the headliners it was already dark yeah. and i remember standing for the first couple of songs and then just sitting down and then eventually lying down and just being so fatigued that I was just like, I'm going to just not even watch what's going on, but just listen. And uh, I'm pretty sure that had to do with the, the intensity of the heat that day. Well, when we were out there, all, like we got there just after noon. Mm-hmm. That's when it started. And the stones didn't come on till the sun was already set because the sun set while ACDC was performing. Yep. And then the stones came on maybe you know, like after nine. And the thing ended, you know, I want to say around 11. That's yeah. like, that's 11 hours, you know, it was nine hours out in the hot sun and it was yeah. a hot day. Uh, so 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was a long one. I also remember, I don't know if this stands out in your mind, but someone sitting like a picnic blanket or two away from us had uh, a false bottom in his cooler of food where he had stacked a couple of six packs of beer. No way. He was, he was selling them for like 10 bucks each to the <laughs> I don't remember that. super thirsty people around us. Uh, and I remember just thinking, that guy's a genius. How did he do that? <laughs> I remember security also for a ticketed event was really lax. I don't even remember if we had to show our tickets at some point. It almost just seemed like we parked and started walking. At there some was, point, maybe we passed through some sort of a... Yes, there was a like really, really early, because it's a huge basically an open field right it's not really a park and they did have some fencing set up at one end of it and i don't know if it went around it must have gone around the whole thing but there was a little turnstile there but i just remember having to walk so far from that gate to get and we didn't like we had never been there and it wasn't like an official or common festival ground or concert ground we they just hosted kept, the we, Pope once before, I think, for a yes. massive like. <laughs> yeah, it might have been World Youth Day, which was maybe I think, a few years before that. It would have been JP two, I think, coming for that. But um, yeah, like uh, we just walked and walked and walked, and then all of a sudden there's this massive stage kind of at the, at the one end. Oh, and the other thing, I have a couple other memories. The other thing, um, and I have a few conspiracy theories which I won't share about this one, but. There was Mad Cow, and there was a big scare, and the Canadian beef sales were down. Okay, So I remember very vividly Dan Aykroyd standing on the stage eating meat and saying, This is Canadian beef, and it's delicious! (laughs) (laughs) And encouraging everyone. And they had, like, places selling, you know, sandwiches or ribs or whatever. And it all saying, you know, Canadian beef, all Canadian beef, or Alberta beef, and really, really... (laughs) <laughs> an added an added marketing thing that they were using whoever was involved with it whether it was the government right. or whatever was using this as a tool to push Canadian beef saying it's safe there's nothing wrong with it it's good well Dan Aykroyd says it's delicious so it must be good then uh, so <laughs> um, yeah I remember that and uh, my tie into the blackout is that I felt that the explanations were the blackout I never really bought them and when the blackout happened, it was the power was out for several days. Every house, every restaurant, every grocery store threw out all their meat oh. because because they couldn't keep them frozen. So everything thawed and it all went in the garbage. And if you're a restaurant or a grocery store, everybody had to restock. And it massively, and I think very under-publicized, put like this adrenaline injection into the beef industry because everybody had to go and buy massive quantities because anything (laughs) they had stocked up was gone Uh, don't you don't have to put a whole lot of stock into that but i always felt that (laughs) the explanation for a coastal wide blackout just did not add up to me uh with so many different power stations across the eastern seaboard that they would all go at the same time just i don't know it just seemed funny Uh, And then you get this injection of uh, beef sales because of it after a industry that was suffering just previously that year. So anyways, do with that what you will. I don't think it was coast to coast. I'm going to call you on that. No, it was coastal. It went it went it went down the eastern seaboard, like down into. Oh, into the United States. 
into like <clears throat> yeah it was um, kind of great lakes area wasn't it well no it went down into well yeah into pennsylvania and new york all through ontario it was huge it was massive mm-hmm. and there are so many even in ontario there's so many different power stations and i think many that aren't even connected mm-hmm. in terms of where they service and everything went out and I don't, I don't get it. There's so much. There's a lot of. Uh, hey, I'm not a specialist in the area, but there's a lot of isolation in terms of power sources. How are they all? How do they all go out at the same time mm-hmm. if they're not connected? Seems fishy, Ben. <laughs> We're about to start something here on the internet. That I'm, I'm not sure I'm comfortable uh, being a part of. <laughs> oh, that's fine. You don't. You know. You don't have to. Uh, ben Wyman does not endorse this message. <laughs> you heard it from me. Oh, so, anyways, uh, okay. So that's a bunny trail. Back to um, <laughs> SARS stock. Um, like, I've grown to love a lot of these artists who were there. Uh, do you want me to list them out? Sure. Okay, so this was like, remember, the first bunch of acts only played for like 20 minutes until we get to the last like five acts and they play a little longer. So it opened with Have Love Will Travel, which was kind of like a Blues Brothers thing with Dan Aykroyd and uh, Jim Belushi. And then we've got Sam Roberts, Kathleen Edwards, La Chicane, which is a a French-Canadian band, The Tea Party, The Flaming Lips... Sass Jordan, who played with the late Jeff Healy. Oh, I forgot yep, that. Jeff Healy play, played, uh, he's he's passed now, but he was a blind uh, guitarist. Really, really, really awesome. Uh, the Isley Brothers, Blue Rodeo, then Justin Timberlake, and then we get into like the, the four big acts. You got the Guess Who, Rush, ACDC, and the Stones. Mm-hmm. So this is a pretty stacked afternoon. <laughs> Especially for Canadians, I think. Uh, yes. Aside oh, from the Flaming Lips, most Americans wouldn't know uh, anyone from that first half. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, somewhat interestingly, Justin Timberlake may have been the biggest artist at that time, um, but because of the heavy sort of classic rock emphasis of that second half, he was basically booed off the stage. People were chucking... Yes those free water bottles at him <laughs> i remember him kind of like weaving through the water bottles as they were coming flying at him um and i maybe it was because we were so far back from the stage but it almost seemed like we were watching something comical uh it didn't feel like we were even at the same venue where this was going on but no um all these classic rockers just so bitter that that justin Timberlake <laughs> is up there dancing around um and he actually came back out with the stones right he did he came out for miss you and he they even blended crimea river into that and i Um, i feel like they stopped playing for a minute and like told the audience to stop booing yeah (laughs) keith richards was ticked (laughs) that's really funny to think about now but the Stones having to like calm the crowd and be like, just let, <laughs> let this young guy be with us. And, uh, yeah, I have I have so many memories about this. I remember when they announced Justin, I w- I was right on board with all the the naysayers. Like he has no place here. Yeah, he had just released his first solo album, so he was coming out of being an in sync and then doing a solo very pop album, and 
when he got on stage, I was probably booing as well. <laughs> and I want to say this very sincerely. When he started playing and he opened with Senorita and he had a full jazz funk band with him and he was playing keys, within the first couple minutes, I went, oh, this is actually really good. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember looking at our buddy Aaron and we both looked at each other and, kind of, and he was more into like hip hop and yeah. other stuff. And we both looked at each other and went, okay uh i'm really enjoying this <laughs> kind of like very conflicted and i want to say even though he was booed and i probably was booing him when he came out his set of four songs was really really good very musical a lot of fun um and you know i don't want to say i was converted at that moment but i know that we between my wife and i we own that first album and i really like it and he's become you know very big since then the other memory I have is um, many, many years later, we know that Justin Timberlake appears a lot with Jimmy Fallon on Jimmy Fallon's different late night shows he's had. Now he's doing a Tonight Show. And Jimmy Fallon does a segment where he asks artists and mostly comedians, uh, he says, what's the biggest you ever bombed? Mm. And I don't know if you've seen this, Justin Timberlake does it, and this is the no way. the event that he referenced as the biggest I ever bombed. He said... I was asked to do this with all these classic rock artists and Justin Timberlake and they they were throwing water bottles at me. I was like dodging water bottles and went off and it was like it was uh I don't think he was like angry about it but kind of like he knew how much anger and disdain there was for him there and like couldn't believe it and I, he seemed to kind of laugh about it but that was what he chose and I was like watching that like I was there and I was doing that I kind of felt bad wow. <laughs> but um, but no like if there's definitely a point where I started to like JT as an artist that was it yeah and it would be interesting he was still essentially the guy who broke away from NSYNC at, in this right. moment it'd be really fascinating yep. to have the same set list of people uh, re-perform now um, it, almost, it almost feels like he'd get bumped to the headliner just because of his uh, oh, current geez. relevance and lasting power it, it'd be interesting to see if that predominantly classic rock audience would respond in the same way given his uh, history um, who knows it's hard to say I, yeah I too I think uh, got a, a different kind of appreciation I also felt like you know, the organizers just weren't thinking this through. Uh, this is not. <laughs> this is not kind. Yeah. It's not kind to him. Uh, I remember thinking, no. "Wow, this is good," and also it doesn't belong with uh, the rest of what's going on here. I thought. It, I thought, why wouldn't they have had him earlier in the day when there's not as many people there yet? You know, but I guess maybe they felt it would be a draw. I don't. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, he again. He was very good. Mm -hmm. But it was just weird to put him just before the the four kind of headlining ba headlining bands. Right. Yeah, just to touch very briefly. So uh, Sam Roberts was one of the first bands, and he was just coming off his first album. He's now released about six, and he's one of my favorite artists. Um, but I didn't really know him at the time that well. And then the Guess Who, I thought played one of the best sets of the day. They came after Timberlake. And then Rush played, and they only played four tracks, which is like disappointing as a Rush fan, <laughs> as I am. But maybe there weren't a ton of us there. <laughs> um, and uh, and then ACDC, I don't know about you, but I thought they stole the show. 
ACDC played, it was the sun was about to set, and then it was setting during the middle of their set, and then it kind of it kind of was down by the time they were done. Hmm. And it was like really a cool kind of ambiance. You got to see them in a lot of different uh, lights, mm-hmm. like literally. So that was cool. I was trying to find a set list and uh, setlist.fm, I guess is a site where people upload set lists. You can click on the different artists that day and they have eight tracks for Rush, which feels longer oh, yeah. than I remember them being up there. I also oh, thought they I were don't a remember. Very, very short period of time. I don't remember eight tracks. I remember four for the guests who... It was like two or three for most of them, and Justin Timberlake, the guess who Rush, all had four. ACDC played a much longer set. It was more like an hour, and the Stones played for like an hour and a half. But ACDC was like awesome. Um, and then the Stones, the Stones were good. Um, if someone had said to me, you want to go, like partway through, I probably would have said yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Because, on, number one, we were tired. It was not like amazing. ACDC just had this energy to them, um, and it was a blast. Uh, and the one really funny thing we talked about um, the SARS that it wasn't a worldwide epidemic, but in Toronto, I know there were a few fatalities. I want to say um, respectfully because I don't remember. I think there were about three people who did pass, unfortunately. And Keith Richards, bless his heart. <laughs> got up to do a solo performance of Ruby Tuesday and before the song says uh, uh, just want to dedicate this song to uh, the ones who took the hit uh, because you know uh, they're gone <laughs> and then we were like oh man that is your tribute to the people who, who passed away it was like okay I guess it's the thought that counts but good grief you know it was like that he played he sang and played Ruby Tuesday on his own which was uh, interesting, uh, <laughs> to say the least. But um, I'll never forget him. Like you know, this is like are the families at home going? You know, <laughs> so happy or like we, what, yeah. I don't know. I don't want to say too much to be disrespectful, but boy, oh my, um, yeah, it was. Uh, I don't know if that part's on your DVD there, but uh, I don't look. think everything made the cut on the DVD. Uh, no, no. They, you're, no. Yeah, you're right. And uh, uh, because, and I'm wondering if uh, Wikipedia is drawing the set list from the DVD. That might be possible. Because I I do have some memories of stuff that they list here. For some of them, I think you're spot on. The, they actually have five tracks listed for the Guess Who. Yeah, that might be um, right. The, let's see, what were the other ones? Uh, Justin Timberlake only has two, <laughs> which I think is correct. <laughs> And Rush. He only did. I thought he did more than two. He did. He did Senorita. Cry me a river. Cry me a river. And he came back out with the stones. Yeah, but I thought he did more. For Rush, they have uh, eight tracks: uh, Tom Sawyer, Limelight, Dreamline, YYZ, Free Will, Closer to the Heart. They apparently did Paint It Black, a Rolling Stones cover, and then finished with the Spirit of Radio. I don't remember. I don't remember eight. well enough. Sam Roberts just had three. That seems about right in my memory. Yeah, he was first. And Blue Rodeo. Like the just Isley had Brothers three. did like, yeah, I think they all did like three. The Isley Brothers, they have seven. 
um, which seems that's not right. for me. <laughs> uh, well, they might have done some mashups or like medleys. Yeah, they might have mixed a few all together because they they had already been around for like four yeah. years. The Tea Party only had three. Um, yeah, the Rolling Stones apparently played. 16 songs including an encore and actually they they list an encore for acdc yeah. too so they must have i i yep. do remember just loving that set and, and oh, people yeah. wanted more so they came out one last time um interesting anyway so i'm sure we could go on and on about all the bands but uh you and i were part of history yeah I was uh, thinking this morning this might be the biggest concert I've ever been to, and then um, it dawned on me that I also went to the Philadelphia location of the Live Aid concert, which was the 20, oh, no 20th anniversary of Live Aid. Um, okay. And uh, the estimates there are a little bit, they're pretty wide range because it wasn't a ticketed event. You just, you just walked right. up. And uh, <clears throat> I have very few memories of that concert except for Will Smith singing the Fresh Prince theme song. Um, nice. But that the estimates get as high as 1.5 million people for that one location. Oh, wow. Um, and, of course, it was a global concert. So depending on who you talk to, they might include you know, the other different sites. And, and I think, if I'm remembering correctly, they would stream in uh, footage from the other global locations to uh, the right. different sites and we'd watch them sort of between sets they did like a band of scientists that were in antarctica or something oh i don't remember that <laughs> that's funny they, they did they did one from every continent including antarctica and then there was two in oh hold on one from every continent I know there were two in North America because there was one near Toronto in Barrie. Yeah. And did they do another one in the U.S.? No. No, it was just Philadelphia. So there was two in North America and one in every other continent, including Antarctica. <laughs> uh, <laughs> was you two at that one? They weren't in. They weren't in Philadelphia, but they. Oh yeah, they were in the. They, they were, were in the UK. Okay. Oh, right. That makes sense. And uh, I think Beyonce was in Philadelphia, right? I think that's correct. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Um, so, yeah, def I think definitely my biggest concert. Yeah. In terms of crowd. Yeah. Half a million. Like, that's, I don't think I've been to anything even close to that. And unlike the Philadelphia stuff, this, this felt more significant um, for some reason. I think I sat and enjoyed the concert more than in Philadelphia where everything yeah. just seemed packed. We, we spent most of the day walking or looking at a screen, not even being able to see it, uh, the stage. And so, I don't know, it, right. it felt, because we were in this giant field in Toronto, it felt like we were a part of something that was really that big. Whereas, uh, you know, in Philadelphia, yeah. it almost felt like little neighborhoods were enjoying the concert in different locations. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, the Rolling Stones. Uh, so which of the other artists that uh, Molson Rocks for Toronto would be on this Rolling Stone top 500 list. ACDC yep. is. I think that's it. Rush is not. The Guess Who is not. Uh, I don't think JT or InSync are. Uh, you know, all the none of the Canadian artists. So, you know, Sam Roberts, Tea Party, Blue Rodeo, Sass Jordan. They're not on. I don't think the Flaming Lips are on. 
the Isley Brothers, I don't think, are. So it's just ACDC. Hmm. So, yeah, for such a monumentous event, it's really just the two headliners that that are kind of captured in this sort of historic thing. I, I would say, you know, certainly the guests who are well-known, Rush, we've already talked, that they should be on this list mm-hmm. somewhere, yeah. certainly for moving pictures. Um, Justin Timberlake, I think if you did this list in another 10 years, you'd probably put one of his albums on. I think so. 2020, ex- 2020 Experience or maybe... Uh, future love sex sounds I mean, even his debut that. album I think was far, it was good far more monumental than people realize it was good and I think certainly launched him into the spotlight and he's done like he's he did that stuff with Chris Stapleton which kind of crossed over into the country he did a couple tunes with him mm-hmm. singles uh, kind of country crossover and his touring band for 2020 was the Tennessee Kids so it was a band out of Nashville if you get a chance, watch that. Netflix has a live concert film of that, and it's really, really good. Uh, yeah, so I think that's it. Stay tuned for our review coming up uh, this Saturday morning of uh, The Rolling Stones' Exile on Main Street. Should be a good one. Yeah, double, double album. A double album. If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review. Send us a message at our Facebook page, on Instagram, or through our SoundLogic Podcast Twitter feed. Thanks for listening.